Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Post-Production Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, friends and neighbors, welcome to the Post-Production Podcast, the 89th weekly-ish podcast about media production, provided by two women who probably don't actually have time for this, but we do it anyway because we love it. So true. (laughs) I'm Kiri. And I'm Rachel. And we promised that we would deliver an Oscars episode, and I do realize we are two weeks late, so our hot takes are at least lukewarm at this point, but we're going to do it anyway. Because that's how we roll. Yes. we And we, we promised that we would do an Oscars episode, plus this is fun, and I made an incredibly detailed chart and it will not go to waste. Yes. By the way, you can follow my my live commentary on the Oscars. It's a highlight on my Instagram story now at Curie underscore Jones, in which I go over my charts for best picture. By the way, I was talking to our friend Fletcher the weekend of the Oscars and he did his own like lengthy analysis sort of. He just like wrote paragraphs of his opinions on all of the categories like the day before, I think, mm-hmm. on his Instagram story. And I was like, I see you, but I raise you my extremely detailed charts. And his reaction was, and I quote, wowza, this is gorgeous. Gorgeous was capitalized. So Rachel and listener, much like the great Fletcher Lowe, you too can appreciate my work. Oh my gosh. This episode is going to be formatted as such. (laughs) Kiri has done an (laughs) immense amount of research, calculations, charting, thinking, all the things. Well, Thinking is an exaggeration. I purposefully, for the sake of this episode, avoided as much Oscars content as I could. So this will be structured as Kiri presenting the research and me blind reacting, with the exception of as hard as I tried, I could not avoid learning about the Will Smith and Chris Rock situation. Oh, yes, we will talk about that if we have time. But let's just use this chart as a guide to get through this episode. So I have all of the Best Picture nominees and their other nominations, the director, the writer, the top six cast members on IMDb, the description, the genre, the the accolades it had before the Oscars, uh, the rating, like the content rating and then all this. We'll look at there. Okay. In alphabetical order, Belfast is up first. It premiered on November 12th, 2021. All of these, most of these, were like November, December releases, which has always driven me nuts that like those are almost always the movies that the Oscars lean towards. So this movie follows a young boy and his working class Belfast family experience the tumultuous late 1960s. Nice and vague. Yep. So I have been to Belfast, so I am aware of the history there. There was a lot of terrorism for about 30 years between Protestant and Catholic citizens. So I got to see some of the 
aftermath of that firsthand. So seeing a movie about it was like, or I didn't see this movie, but seeing that there was a movie about it was like, oh, I don't know if I can watch that. So Belfast was also up for Best Supporting Actor for, I'm going to butcher all of these names, Sierra Hines, (laughs) Supporting Actress for Judi Dench, Best Directing for Kenneth Branagh, Best Original Song for Down to Joy by Van Morrison, Best Sound Design, and Best Original Screenplay (laughs) by Kenneth Branagh, which they happened to win. Why are you losing it? (laughs) I need you to say the first name again. (laughs) Sierra Hines. <laughs> Do you know how it's actually pronounced? No, that's the best part. I'm laughing at you, but I would be in a very similar boat. How is it spelled? C I A R A N. Yeah, no, I got nothing. This movie was written and directed by Kenneth Branagh, who is a native Belfast individual. Belfastian, if you will. I, yeah, I don't know. But it stars Jude Hill, who plays the little boy, uh, Louis McGaskey. Kate Triona Balfi, Jamie Dornan, Judy Dinch, and Sierra Hines. <laughs> it is listed as a biography, a drama, and history. This is so melodramatic. Yes, I yeah. All of these have the word drama in them, at, listed as the drama, every single one. It has an IMDb rating of 7.3 out of 10 and a tomato meter score of 87%, which is really good. You mean a tomatometer? Yes, tomatometer score of 87%, which is really good for Rotten Tomatoes. And I also have other details, but I've decided that we might be here all day if I actually go over every little <laughs> detail. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and Rachel has a life, so I need to speed things up. Okay, what's, uh, just blind react, what's what's your opinion on Belfast based on everything I've told you? Um, I haven't seen it so it's like really a blind reaction, but um, I haven't seen any of these. It sounds like a, like a fairly pretentious melodrama, but like in a way that like it probably was a good movie, right? And I'm just boring, perhaps. Next up, Coda. So this is the one that won Best Picture. Uh, it was up for two other nominations, which it also won: Best Supporting Actor for Troy Kotzer, I believe is how you pronounce that, and uh, Best Adapted Screenplay. Uh, by Sean Hedder. So uh, Belfast was the best original screenplay, and then Coda was adapted from something. I did not look at that. I probably should have. Uh, but Troy Kotzer won Best Supporting Actor, and he's the first uh, deaf individual to win Best Supporting Actor. And so he got to sign his his acceptance speech, of course. That's awesome. He also played a Tuscan Raider in The Mandalorian. Heck yeah! He also uh, helped develop the sign language that the Tuscans use to communicate. Wow, that's actually super cool. Yeah, it is. I did not know that. Uh, so the description of this movie, as a coda child of deaf adults, mm-hmm. Ruby is the only hearing person in her deaf family. When the family's fishing business is threatened, Ruby finds herself torn between pur- pursuing her love of music by wanting to go to Berkeley College of Music and her fear of abandoning her parents. Mm. So there's kind of a double meaning for Coda there. It's a, a music movie sort of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually heard really good things about this movie from some people I follow who are part of the deaf community. So I think there's there seems to be a lot of excitement that like the deaf experience and the CODA experience is being represented in films now, which is really exciting. It's being represented well, apparently. It's being represented well, and it's being represented in award-winning films, nonetheless. Yeah, 
uh, but it's listed as a comedy and a drama and music. A dramedy, if you will. A, a musical dramedy, if you will. <laughs> so true. So it was written and directed by Sean Hedder, and uh, it stars Amelia Jones as Ruby, Marley Martin, Troy Kotzer, of course, Daniel Durant, John Fiore, and Lonnie Farmer. Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 95% on their tomato meter. And uh, IMDb gave it an 8 out of 10. Wow. And this this one actually premiered in August of 2021. So this was, I believe this was the earliest release in this list of Best Picture nominees. Or the oldest release, I suppose. The earliest in the year you get is August. Next up, there are 10 of these, by the way, so buckle up. Next up, Don't Look Up, which I can't believe got nominated. Oh my I haven't gosh. seen it, but I have heard I have somewhat negative things about it. So it was also nominated for Best Editing, Best Original Score, and Best Original Screenplay, and it won none of those. Good. It was written and directed by Adam McKay, and stars Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, Meryl Streep, Kate Blanchett, Rob Morgan, and Jonah Hill. With such a, a hugely star-studded a cast, you would expect cast. it to be. Yeah, you would expect it to be amazing, but yeah. Uh, it premiered on December twenty-fourth of twenty twenty-one. It's about two dull-level astronomers must go on a giant media tour to warn mankind of an approaching comet that will destroy planet Earth. What I've heard is that it's just, it's trying to be, it's trying to be woke or something about climate change, you know, and like making fun of people and society. Yeah, it was a heavily politically satirical movie. Right. And like a heavily culturally satirical movie. Right. That's a much nicer way of what I was trying to say. My take on Don't Look Up is nuanced in that as a screenplay, like the writing for the most part was kind of genius. Like it was a really, really funny and like sometimes scarily self-aware take on the way that people interact with each other and the way that people interact with political agendas. The thing I could have done without, and this is kind of a small detail to latch onto, a lot of the screenplay and the movie itself relied on like fairly, I don't know how to describe it. The movie really rested on explicit language to be funny. I don't like that. And I'm not normally like a, oh, it had a bad word in it, so I don't like the movie. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is a movie should not need the F word in every punchline in order to be comedic. Right. And that was my issue with the movie. Was like there was there was too much. Like it was overused. Yeah, it was a very like heavily produced movie in that like there was clearly a lot of money that went into production. All the actors were great. Like, they did awesome with the script they were given. The editing was, like, decent. Well, it was nominated. The thing I walked away with was, like, I was kind of mad that they, like, could write such a self-aware satire and yet not write a decent punchline. Yeah. So that's my take. I think they were trying to... It's it's all about the presentation, I guess. Yeah. But, yeah, a lot of money did go into it. It had a budget of about $75 million. Yep. Wow. It was a Netflix release. It was. So as of Oscars weekend, it had made only 791000 worldwide. Ooh. And it, I don't know. I, I'm not super knowledgeable of how all the Netflix uh, payroll works, but I know that it's not as much as if you go to a theater and buy a ticket. Up next is Drive My Car, which also won Best International Film because it is a Japanese film. It was also nominated for Best Directing for Ryusuke Hamaguchi and Best Adapted Screenplay. (laughs) That could have been worse. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'll give it to you. So it was directed by Ryusuke Hamaguchi 
and it stars oh jeez it stars a lot of a lot of people oh dear <laughs> a renowned stage actor and director learns to cope with his wife's unexpected passing when he receives an offer to direct a production of Uncle Vanya in Hiroshima so yeah it's a drama very drama so i guess it's about learning how to deal with grief hmm. from the from the the little bits I've seen from like promotional stuff, it looks very colorful, bright, but a very grim message, you know? Yeah. Or not grim necessarily, but just like sad. You know, it, it goes in the, the depression category of Oscar nominations, right? Yeah. You know, I think that every Best Picture nominee goes into one of five categories. Depression. Set in a war zone. <laughs> based on a true story. Yeah. Main character deals with sexuality or racism or disability. And I forgot what the fifth one is. You've never heard of this movie before. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's the fifth category. This is an excellent set of categories. Yes. Yeah, so this one came out in November. Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 97%, which is really, really good. Wow. On, on the tomato meter, not even the audience score. By the way, the tomato meter score for Don't Look Up is 55%. <laughs> to put things in perspective. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is very rare to see a tomato meter score above 90. Wow. All right. Next up is Dune. Dune swept oh, I bet. the uh, awards. I have not seen this. I probably should. It was also nominated for Best Cinematography, which it won. Best Costume Design, it did not win. Uh, Best Editing, which it won. Best Hair and Makeup did not win. And then it also won Best Original Score, Production Design, Sound Design, and Visual Effects. And it was also nominated for Adapted Screenplay as well, which it did not win. Wow. Dude, the score of that movie is insane, though. Yeah. I so support that. Yeah, I, it deserved every single one of the awards that it won. So this was directed by Denis Villeneuve. Villeneuve? 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 <laughs> yes. Sure. Uh, and it was written by Dennis himself, John Spates, and Eric Roth. Obviously, it was adapted from the novel. Mm -hmm. And it stars Timothy Chalamet, Rebecca Ferguson, Zendaya, Oscar Isaac, Jason Momoa, and Stellan Skarsgård. Which is, again, a very hefty cast there. Yeah. If you're not familiar with the story of Dune, which I am not, a noble family becomes embroiled in a war for control over the galaxy's most valuable asset, while its scion becomes troubled by visions of a dark future. Stumbled my way through that, but you get the idea, maybe. <laughs> but it's an action-adventure drama. 84% on the tomato meter. Not bad. Not bad, yeah. A budget of $165 million. Holy crap. It was worth it, though. Yeah. Because, yeah, from what I've seen of it, it looks like a stunning movie. Yeah, even before the Oscars, it had already won 51 awards and been nominated for 138 others. That is wild. Yeah, it's it's definitely, a, in my opinion, hot take. Dune was the movie of 2021. Forget No Way Home. Forget Shang-Chi. Dune is the one that even the uh, old people love and throw their money at. What's your opinion? I uh, I have mixed opinions. Dune was amazing and deserved every single nomination it got and award it won. 
With that said, it's hard to take a book that complicated and really like capture its essence and details in world building yeah. in a way that feels satisfactory. And we all know my shtick with book and movie adaptations. We did a whole episode on it. We did a whole episode on it. A long time ago. I really struggle with books that are also movies because I really like books and I really like movies. <laughs> um, so at the end of the day, though, Dune was a great movie. Everyone that worked on it absolutely outdid themselves. And yeah, I I think it opened a lot of it opened a lot of doors for like what is possible in terms of combining like scoring and VFX and film adaptations of books. Like it, it took all of these like areas that cinema has done excellent things in and like kind of like blew every category out of the water in one film. Yeah. Which is cool. Retweet. So next up, King Richard. So this is about uh, Serena and Venus Williams's father. Oh, <laughs> it took me a long time to come up with with their names. I am not a sports person, but I know who they are. King Richard had four other nominations for Best Actor for Will Smith, obviously, which he won. And it was also nominated for Best Supporting Actress with Anjanou Ellis and Best Editing and Best Original Screenplay. So this is a look at how tennis superstars Venus and Serena Williams became who they are after the coaching from their father, Richard Williams. Which I just want to say, way to take the accomplishments of two powerful women and credit it all to a man. <laughs> but uh, I figured that take would be coming. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it. Honest Trailers said that the dad is kind of not a very nice person, but he supported his daughters and helped them turn into the tennis legends that they are now. Uh, so this was directed by Rinaldo Marcus Green and written by Zach Balin. Stars Will Smith, Anjanou Ellis, John Bernthal, Sonia Sidney, Demi Singleton, and Tony Goldwyn. This one came out in November, November 19th. It feels like I saw trailers for it for way longer than that, but I don't know. It has a 91% on Rotten Tomatoes, but IMDb wasn't quite as nice. It gave it a 7.5 out of 10. So yeah, it's a, it's a sports movie. I mean, you know. Yeah. It didn't quite make its budget back. It had a budget of $50 million and made $38 million at the box office. So hmm. it's just, just short of that. What do you think? This was one of those movies where, like, again, like, I heard good things about the movie as a movie. I just haven't seen it because, I don't know, it it didn't really make my priority list in terms of things to go see. Yeah, and I just thought it was like, okay, Will Smith is playing another dad <laughs> in a drama. Yeah. And, like, of course he got nominated for Best Actor, but, which he hasn't won before ever, so I guess it's it's good that he finally got that because he has a a lengthy career where he's done a good job with several roles but everyone's pretty upset that andrew garfield didn't win right because he he okay rabbit trail apparently andrew garfield had never sung a day in his life until he was on tick tick boom i don't believe that for a second i i don't either i just bet he just never really tried seriously i was gonna say yeah i got some training and then he's in this movie i would bet he knew he had a proclivity for it right before he even considered the role who doesn't just kind of sing around their house every once in a while yeah yeah and he did a great job you can tell he worked really hard on that role mm-hmm. hey at least he got a nomination next up licorice pizza oh what 
I haven't even heard of this one. That's the title of the movie. I don't know what it is, but I already hate it. Uh, it was written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, and he was nominated for Best Directing and Best Original Screenplay. It stars Elena Haim, Cooper Hoffman, Sean Penn, Tom Waits, yeah, Will Angarola, and Griff Giacchino. Giacchino. <laughs> Your pronunciation is on point this year. Thank you. It's I, It's great. So this is the story of Anna Kane. Nope. This is the story of Elena Kane and Gallery. This is the story of Elena Kane and Gary Valentine growing up, running around and going through the treacherous navigation of first love in the San Fernando Valley, 1973. I'm unamused. <sighs> yeah, it's a, a rom-com drama. Rama drama comedy. Rama dramedy. So true. I, I like it. IMDb loved it ish. Gave it a 7.4, but their meta score is 90%, which is like their critics. Mm-hmm. And Rotten Tomatoes, their tomato meter gave it a 90%, but their audience score was 65%. So audiences didn't really like it, but critics loved it. Interesting. It's, I, they should get normal people to critique movies, not critics. Right? <laughs> Movie sites, if y'all are out there, hire us. Yes. This was a Christmas release, like literally Christmas Day, and it did not make its budget back. It was about $10 million short with a budget of $40 million, made about $30 million in the box office. And it's an R-rated movie, and those tend to not make quite as much. Especially if you release it on Christmas. Yeah. Let's go see an R-rated movie with the fam. Called Licorice Pizza, yeah. nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, but it's about the 70s. Your uncle will love it. Hmm. So there's that. And apparently it is like very 70s-esque, like the aesthetic and all of that. So whatever. That's Licorice Pizza. Nightmare Alley. This one is a, a crime drama thriller. Mm-hmm. Have you seen this one? This seems like one that you would watch just because I know you like crime stuff. This one is actually on my physical list of movies to watch. Yes. So this is like on my rotation for like, you know, it's some distant point in the future when I have free time. Whenever that is. Because I, I, I saw the trailer and got so excited. Yeah. So this was a Guillermo del Toro movie. Uh, it stars Bradley Cooper, Kate, Kate, Kate Blanchett, Tony Collette, William... Mm, Willem Dafoe, Richard Jenkins, and Rooney Mara, and it's about a grifter working his way up from low-ranking carnival worker to lauded psychic medium matches wits with a psychiatrist bent on exposing him. Oh my. Oh yeah. So, yeah, it got decent scores on Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb. The tomato meter gave it an 80%, which isn't bad. Uh, This was a December 17th release, and this one also came, like, way short of its budget 60 million dollars went towards the budget and then it only made 38 million oof it it didn't quite make it this was also nominated for best cinematography costume design and production design and ended up not winning anything what do you think this is one i sort of reserve my opinions on until i see i will say here's my problem too like i am an optimistic moviegoer in that if I see a really good trailer, I usually tend to believe the movie is really good until I see the movie and it's not really good. That's generally how it works, yes. So I tended to uh, really enjoy the trailer and was very intrigued by it, but have not had a chance to see the movie itself. So I don't have any opinions. Excellent. 
All right, next up, The Power of the Dog. This had the most nominations out of all of the movies, but it only won one of them, Best Directing for Jane Campion. And she was the only female director nominated for Best Director, but she won, so hey. Go off, queen. Yeah, second year in a row. Last year it was Chloe Zhao. This year it's Jane... Man, Jane Campion. I don't think I'm pronouncing that correctly, but good job, Jane... Okay, so Power of the Dog was also nominated for Best Actor with Benedict Cumberbatch, Best Supporting Actor for Jesse Plemons, Best Supporting Actress for Kirsten Dunst, Best Cinematography, Best Editing, Original Score, Production Design, Sound Design, and Adapted Screenplay. Wow, that's a laundry list. Yeah, it was up for a lot. Jane herself wrote and directed the movie. Wow. Stars Benedict Cumberbatch, Kirsten Dunst, Jesse Plemons, Cody Smith-McPhee, Genevieve Lemon and Kenneth Radley. Well, we all know how I feel about Bumbernick Cumbersnatch, so I'm sure it was a great movie. Oh, yes. Yes. He's he's been busy. He really has. He's been in everything. Description provided by IMDb. That's where I'm getting all these descriptions by the way. Uh, charismatic rancher Phil Burbank inspires fear and awe in those around him. When his brother brings home a new wife and her son, Phil torments them until he finds himself exposed to the possibility of love. <laughs> That is the world's worst movie synopsis I've yeah. ever heard. And yet, it's up I've for... I've never wanted to see a movie less. Ten Oscar awards. Holy cow. Eleven if you count Best Picture. And it only won one. Between that synopsis and the title of Licorice Pizza on that other one, I don't know if people <laughs> are nailing it with marketing their movies well. Yeah, and why is this called The Power of the Dog? I don't even want to know. Maybe if you watch it, you would understand... It's like Big Fish. Yeah, true. So yeah, if you want to hear Benedict Cumberbatch talking a southern accent, that's Ugh. super weird. Horrifying. But yeah, this is drama, romance, western. I'm not a fan of the western genre. I don't know why. Me neither. I just, I, it just seems so cheesy. It, and romanticizing um, 1800s western America is a, a bad idea because the times were, yeah. times were rough. By the way, the Oscars are not the only ones who loved this movie for whatever reason. Th this movie, I will say this movie, uh, from what I can tell, Benedict Cumberbatch's character deals with homosexuality and like trying to figure himself out in that area of his life. But it already won 238 other awards prior to the Oscars, and it had 333 other nominations. Wow monumental since its premiere on december 1st it has been cleaning up apparently just sweeping everything yeah wow imdb's users didn't like it they gave it a 6.9 nice out of 10 and rotten tomatoes the tomato meter actually gave it a 94 percent wow that's pretty high and again like imdb's meta score is an 89 percent. so again this is where there's a discrepancy between the critics and normal people the critics loved it yeah and this was also a netflix release actually so again the the there's the whole budget question where it's like significantly lower than many of these other movies but i mean the academy loves it so what else are you gonna do and you already have 239 wins so go live your life i guess all right last one are you ready i am ready West Side Story. Oh, gosh. When I saw this nomination, I was like, of course. It yep. got it's an adaptation. It's a Steven Spielberg movie. It's uh, somewhat culturally accurate this time around. So, yeah, this, this is one of those. Oh, that was the fifth category. Adaptation of a book or a stage play or a movie that's already been written. Mm -hmm. Here it is. West Side Story. 
So it did win Best Supporting Actress for Ariana DeVos, but it was also nominated for Best Cinematography, Costume Design, Directing for Steven Spielberg, of course, Production Design, and Sound Design. So this was adapted by Tony Kushner, and it stars Ansel Elgort, Rachel Ziegler, Ziegler, Ariana DeBose, David Alvarez, Rita Marino, and Brian Darcy James. So this is a musical, of course, based on the musical mm-hmm. West Side Story, based on the stage play Romeo and Juliet by William Shakespeare. So it's an adaptation of an adaptation of an adaptation. <laughs> yep. In fact, it might even be an adaptation of the original movie. The one that just came out? No, this there was a, a movie in like the 60s or something that was uh, played by all white people. And yeah, yeah, no, I yes, know. That's yeah. what I'm thinking of. Like yeah. the, the movie that just came out is like a remake of that movie. Yes. So it's an adaptation yeah. of an adaptation of an adaptation of an adaptation. My hot take is West Side Story is not a good stage play or a good musical or a good movie. Hmm. And so you're going to get some heat for that one. No, I know, <laughs> but I stand by it. West Side Story is consistently one of my least favorite musical and movie ventures, like always. Like every time I see it, I think that maybe my opinion will change. And every time I see it, I like it less. Like, hmm. and it makes me a little bit sad because so many people in the theater world love West Side Story. Like, it, like, has some special place in their hearts as, like, this narrative or, like, it has some special place in their hearts because the music is good or something. And, like, literally, I have, I've never enjoyed any part of it. Yeah, I recall Fletcher saying he expected West Side Story to win every award it was nominated for, and I was thinking, that's that's some strong bias right there. Yeah. And the thing is, West Side Story, is it's a story that we already know mm-hmm. it's romeo and juliet yep but they just slapped on america racism relevance whoopee yeah music do you like it now well and the thing is like and i come back to this with a lot of musicals and a lot of movies there is a point with remakes with like film adaptations of things that have already come out in film please just write a new story yeah that is interesting that i will like You know what I mean? Like, if you remake it once, that's enough. This is the same thing as, like, every time Disney releases a a A live-action version or something. Or any time the latest version of Cinderella comes out as a movie, because they release a new Cinderella live-action something every two years. Like, please just write me a new story that's different. And that's my my philosophy with, with West Side Story. Like, West Side Story has been beaten to death on stages and on silver screens all over the world for literal decades. Please write me a new musical. Ah, and this is like, you're you're getting the brunt of my ire, but West Side Story is probably my least favorite musical that has ever existed, so. Really? Fletcher, if you're listening to this, I am so sorry. So yeah, this one came out on December 10th. Rotten Tomatoes loved it, the critics and the audience, actually. The tomato meter says 91% and the audience says 94%. IMDb was a little... A little bit more harsh, but it was a 7.4 out of 10 and an 85% Metascore. So it was, it was, that's pretty good for IMDb. IMDb tends to be a little more harsh with the audience score, mm-hmm. but it's still not bad. Uh, it had a budget of about 100 million and it made about 75 million at the box office as of Oscars weekend. So it wasn't quite back up there 
with the uh, 75 million is still pretty high. Oh, yeah. Relative to yeah. These other movies that are out there making 20, 30 million. Oh, Dune, by the way, Dune made the most money. Not surprisingly. Unsurprising. 400 million. Oh, my gosh. Wait, that's unreasonable. Yeah. It's so- that is so much money. You guys, we could literally <laughs> solve world hunger with 400 million dollars. And y'all are out here going to Dune twice? Oh, gosh. So they they had a budget of $165 million, so they made it back about three times. That's that is wild. A lot. Wait, hang on. Let me do some math for a second. Ten times? No. Four, three, three-ish. It's been a long day. It's been a long week. It's been three weeks since we last talked to you guys. Hi. Hello. How is everyone? <laughs> Some other honorable mentions in the other categories. We already talked about how Andrew Garfield was not given the credit he deserves necessarily, but he was he was nominated. Uh, Encanto won Best Animated Feature. Have you seen that? Not yet. Oh. Also on the physical list, the pressure exerted upon me by my peers to see Encanto grows by the week. You should watch it on your own time. I thought it was... All right. Like the story was, it was a, it was a unique concept, but I don't know. I I just thought the delivery was kind of meh. And to be fair, it is a beautiful movie. Like the animation is gorgeous and the songs were good. I had a few favorites. Encanto was also nominated for best song, by the way, for. (sighs) We don't talk about Bruno. Nope. No. Dos. Oruitas. Oh my. Which means two caterpillars. Oh. So it's about the love story of the, the grandparents. So now we don't talk about Bruno was not nominated. I think because it got so overplayed that even the Academy was a set, tired of it. That's so fair. No Time to Die by Billie Eilish and Phineas won original song from the James Bond film, the newest James Bond film. That does not surprise me a single bit. And that song came out like two years ago. It's been a while. That song is a banger. I'm not going to lie. I like it. Yeah. I, I like Billie Eilish and Phineas. It, some of their newer stuff hasn't really hit quite as hard as the that first album, but mm-hmm. it's okay. They're, they're still definitely different, like in a good way. They're quite a creative duo. Yeah. And it's kind of fun to see them crossing over into the world of film a bit. Yeah. We'll talk about that another time. Let's see. Best documentary feature was given to Summer of Soul. I remember seeing a trailer for that at some point. It was about a, a music festival put on around the same time as Woodstock, uh, but it was for black people and it was all wow. black music. And uh, and so this is a documentary about that. And it looks really interesting. That sounds like a great documentary concept. Yeah. And like it features a lot of uh, black artists and uh, musicians. Best costume design went to Cruella, which... Uh, me and our friends saw without Rachel. Which was mean. <laughs> and Cruella was, you can tell it was meant to just be a fun movie. Like they weren't trying to be amazing or anything. Right. But I'm glad it won costume design because I thought the costumes were just really fun and cool. And the costume designer for that movie was Jenny Beaven. And she has already won Academy Awards for some of her previous work. She has designed costumes for, let me look this up real quick. But she has quite the resume with costume design. Ginny Beaven has also worked on Mad Max Fury Road and The King's Speech. So those are the other two that she's most known for with her costume design. So she's she's really good. I thought it was very creative and fun and cool. All right, that's all I got. <laughs> nice. 
Um, yeah, I feel like this was kind of a crazy year in the world of movies and academies and all the things. So absolutely, it definitely a very like diverse set of movies in terms of topics and genre. Yeah, and well, in twenty twenty one was the first year where theaters were open most of the year since last year, since 2020. Yeah. So this is kind of the first year that we're going back to quote unquote normal since COVID in that theaters are open and releasing movies again. I would say we're never going to go back to pre-COVID. Yeah, I don't think so either. Though because of how popular streaming streaming platform releases have become. Because things have been, uh, yeah, a lot of 2021 movies have been released simultaneously with the theater release like black widow for example yeah disney got sued over that they did yeah i understand that that's that's just a a different situation but now i think that situation is going to be expected Mm -hmm. that like there will be a simultaneous streaming release and for some streaming services they make you pay extra for new releases but some of them don't but yes thank you for listening to our oscars coverage hopefully we make this a a thing yeah should we do a grammys episode (laughs) those are coming up eventually yeah no i would love to do a grammys episode yeah. if anything like maybe we'll switch and i'll have you blind react and i'll do all the research oh sweet i bet your charts won't be as cool as my charts but that's no fine. my charts will not be as cool as yours but um, i will never judge another woman's charts my obnoxious music pretentiousness will be unparalleled if you want to keep up with us in our lives you can follow us on instagram at curie underscore jones and at rachel h and h we also have a tiktok account at post pod be sure to follow us wherever you are listening here today spotify apple Podcasts, wherever and um with that this has been been the Goodbye now. Goodbye. At Long John Silver's, feed your sea tooth with efficient shrimp platter. Two heavyweights of the high seas dipped in our signature batter and fried to golden perfection. Pair your platter with Wisconsin white cheddar cheese bites and ride a wave of melty goodness. Order ahead at longjohnsilvers.com. Fish yeah.